whatever we're feeling and whose ever fault it is, whatever the story is, whatever the emotion is, whatever the sensation is, underneath that is freedom and that freedom is love. Hello everyone and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and I am feeling a deep, deep gratitude to have the guests on the show today who has swirled into my sphere. I, I found her on the Instagram and as soon as I saw her and read one of her posts, I felt an immediate resonance with her and her message and what she stands for. And I am looking forward to getting to know her and all of those things even more on our show today during our conversation. And yet I am absolutely confident that there are no mistakes nor coincidences and everything that we are about to share and discuss is here for us. It's here for me. It is here for you as the listener. And I invite you to open your ears, open your hearts and allow her wisdom, her insight, the truth that is spoken between us to deeply resonate with you. So today I have a very special guest, Gangaji. She shares- Gangaji. See, I'm going to have to practice it. <laughs> Gangaji shares a simple message. This is an invitation to shift your allegiance from the activities of your mind to the eternal presence of your being. Born in Texas in 1942, Gangaji grew up in Mississippi. After graduating from the University of Mississippi in 1964, she married and had a daughter. In 1972, she moved to San Francisco, where she began exploring deeper levels of her being. She took bodhisattva vows, practiced Zen and Vipassana meditation, helped run a Tibetan Buddhist meditation center, and had a career as an acupuncturist in the San Francisco Bay Area. Despite her successes, Gangaji continued to experience a deep and persistent longing for fulfillment. She pursued many paths to change her life, including relationships, motherhood, political activism, career, and spiritual practice. But even the greatest of her successes ultimately came up short. In the wake of her disillusionment, she made a final prayer for true help. And in 1990, the answer to her prayer came unexpectedly, taking her to India and the meeting that would change everything. There, on the banks of the River Ganga, she met Sri H.W.L. Punja, also known as Papaji, who opened the floodgates of her self-recognition. In this meeting, Gangaji's personal story of suffering ended and the promise of a true life began to flower and unfold. Today, Gangaji travels the world speaking to seekers from all walks of life. A teacher and author, she shares her direct experience of the essential message she received from Papaji and offers it to all who want to discover a true and lasting fulfillment. Through her life and words, she powerfully articulates how it is really possible to discover the truth of who you are and be true to that discovery. So, Gangaji, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Hello. Happy and with, thank you with all of those beautiful words and story behind how you got to be where you are today, some of which we may go into in more detail. I want to open with a simple yet not always easy question, which is, why do you do what you do? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, my teacher asked me to. He said, you have to go out. He used the phrase door-to-door. -door. 
you have to go door to door to share this experience because there are so many people who are hungry for it. And I didn't know what he meant. I mean, I was nervous. I hadn't read Ramana Maharshi, who is his guru. And I just said, Babaji, I, I don't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to speak this. And he said, that's great. That's just right. Then you have to speak for your, from your direct experience. And he was really clear that he wasn't teaching, wasn't asking me to go out and teach so much as go out and confirm the truth that is alive in everyone and challenge people to be true to that, to recognize that and be true to it. And so I, I, I accepted the nation and I began to, to meet with people and then I discovered this profound joy. And I'm so grateful that he, he gave me such an assignment because yeah, my life is, it's made up of you, <laughs> you know. Anyone who I'm relating to in any particular moment then is, is Papaji's promise that those people who are ready to hear this will somehow be attracted to it. Mm. That's beautiful. And to heed the call, and many of us receive calls throughout our lifetime, mm. sometimes a few times before we listen. And mm. I, I'm honored that you did. You you heeded the call despite you not having any idea at the time, perhaps how to do it or what it would look like. Mm-hmm. I think many of us are faced with that. Yes. Would you care to share a, more about um, that journey of of you say in your in that beautiful um, introduction that you were be doing things that I would say are. Um, on the path. I mean, leading Buddhist meditation centers and doing all these things that to me, I'm thinking, oh yeah, absolutely. Like she's doing her work in the world. She's on her path. She's inspiring and uplifting and, and opening others' hearts and minds. And yet it was this idea that it just wasn't, just wasn't enough or it wasn't hitting the mark or there was still something not fulfilling about that. Can you speak more to that? Yes, because I was on the path, and I had been on the path for a number of years, since the, at least the mid-1970s, and it was a beautiful path, and I'd had beautiful experiences and wonderful teachers and met wonderful sangha and community, and, and had great moments, moments of expansion and moments of realization, moments of the recognition, the perfection of being, and radiance of being but still my attention would somehow return to my personal drama my personal suffering so i would just work harder and just figure i was not a good enough student or my practice wasn't good enough and and then i heard of a a teacher available and it struck a chord in me because i had actually been praying for a teacher I had had teachers, but I'd never been devoted to any of them. I wasn't a teacher type. I wasn't interested in the guru scene. And and yet I knew I needed something, and I knew that I didn't know what that was, that I needed a bigger voice or vision than my own or than what was available, as nice as all that was. And within six months of really praying for a teacher, I found myself at the doorstep of my 
teacher. And he said, come in, welcome. And I felt welcomed and I saw, oh, I'm in the right place. And so I paid very close attention. I really held it as my last teacher. This is my last opportunity to really get what's being offered. So I listened carefully and I immediately fell in love with him. Mm -hmm. That helps you listen. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened and I, he said, what do you want? And I said, freedom. And he said, you're in the perfect place. Mm -hmm. And I said, just tell me what to do. And he said, excellent question. Hmm. Don't do anything. So I'd meditated before. I figured I knew what that meant. And I sort of assumed a, a posture of doing nothing. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 not that. Also, don't do that. And when I finally received what he said, it was terrifying to me. Because I couldn't imagine it could be so simple, first of all. And I felt if I really did nothing, I would fall backward into my old, bigger suffering. But here I was, and he was a true teacher, and this is what I'd prayed for. So I, I really gave it my best shot of, of simply being still, of stopping everything. And... In that, there is peace, there's fulfillment. The search is over, my search was over. And it only deepened from then, but that was the essential meeting. Mm. So as you were sharing, I was going to ask, the question arose in my mind of, well, how did you know he was the mm. right teacher? And then you continued, and I immediately felt this well, of course, because as you were sharing your story, I wanted to highlight to our listeners that, you know, even when we're on the what we call the quote unquote spiritual path, uh, which I am a true believer that everything is spiritual, and yet we like to say, oh, this is spiritual. And if I go sit in this position, and, and I experienced it myself when I started meditating, that I had to do it a certain way and it had to look a certain way. And I think many of us can get, not all of us, but many of us can get caught up in that, that even on our search, in our seeking, on our path, we carry all of this, as you call it, the activities of our minds or, or our quote-unquote egos persona in this, and, and we keep ourselves from in truly experiencing what it is that we are longing for. And so I, I heard that in your retelling of your own story, and then here's this teacher, and you say, what do I need to do? And I, I'm, this is reminding me of someone I, I saw recently. She's like, I'm not enough. I'm never enough. How do, I, how do I be enough? I mean, what do I need to do next? I said, I would encourage you to stop being and start, or stop doing and start being in this moment. And that's what I heard your teacher say. And, and that wisdom is, and I love that you honored and acknowledged that it felt scary. And that was terrifying at first. And I, that actually, I'd like to go into that because I think that is a big a limiting belief that many of us bring with us that, but if I stop, if I don't strive, if I don't work hard, if I don't, what, you know, whatever the story is we play out, then something bad's going to happen. I'll revert, I'll, you know, die, I'll, whatever it is. So can you talk more to that fear? Yes, that's exactly right. And that's, we are human animals and all animals have that same fear. It's a fear of survival. It's a beautiful protective ally of survival. So there's nothing wrong with the fear. 
And that's really what was struck is I, I wouldn't have said this is my survival, but that's really what it, it, it is when you look at it more closely. And at that point, there has to be a willingness to overrule or override this very basic instinct that says, do not go into unknown territory. It could be dangerous, you could be hurt, which is absolutely true. But there, if you want to be free, you're actually willing to investigate, is that freedom here? Or where will I find that freedom? And it is an enormous adventure. And it, many times in the adventure, fear will be evoked. But I always say to people that fear is not the enemy. Because then usually in spiritual circles, we get into this relationship with fear that it shouldn't be there. Oh, if I were really better at this, I wouldn't feel fear. I've, how can I get rid of this fear? I have to be fearless. It's just allowing the fear to be there without mastering you. You don't have to obey the fear and you don't have to deny the fear. You don't have to fight with the fear. You can actually meet the fear and, and that is silence then. Fear is there to protect you. But when you are going beyond the boundaries of what is known, you are going vulnerably and openly and unprotected. I mean, unprotected is the key, and that's the fear. Yes. And when we talk about freedom, and I can see it, so many of us want that. We say, oh, I want to be free, I want to be free. And we may not be recognizing what we are really asking for. And I, I'm going to share a very quick story. I, I just realized that one of my highest values is freedom and adventure, but it's really freedom in the, in the guise of adventure at times. And if I, and I put myself in a very precarious situation over the past weekend of taking a trip very last minute, not really sure how I'd be supported, where I'd be staying, where the, you know, just so many details I had no idea about. And to the point where I felt fear at times, I really did. I felt it in my body, it came up as stress and worry and doubt, and it was fear. And then I, at the end of the weekend, had someone say, so you do realize that your highest value is freedom, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, so you do realize that like, you can't feel that had these two things go together. So yeah. if I didn't allow myself to take this trip without knowing how things would pan out, that was freedom. Otherwise, the opposite of that would have been me sitting at home, stuck to something, feeling I couldn't do it. And that's the opposite of freedom, right? Like literally, that's the opposite of freedom in our heads. That's like right. Freedom isn't something out here. It's, it's, I imagine if you would agree with this, it's something, it's how we perceive. That's right. Perceive things, yes? That's exactly right. And a beautiful example, I, I was meeting with a group of people this weekend as part of a prison project that I'm, I do here at the foundation. And it was really the recognition that you can be in a physical prison and still be free, or you can be relatively as free as we are in our country. You can be free and be in a prison. So it's really this whole life life, this precious life that each of us has, will it be lived in prison or will it be lived freely? You know, in prison, you know when mealtime is, you know, <laughs> when you have to go to sleep, you, you know that it's not fair, you know that there's punishment, and there's a kind of coping with that. 
and we get expert at coping with that. So the challenge of freedom is to not be an expert, to really not know. And that's what I hear you saying about this weekend. You didn't let not knowing stop you from discovering. Many people want to know, and then they, if they know something, a belief or a teaching or a dogma of some kind, then they can fit their minds around that and, and incorporate that into their personal ego or suffering. But if you don't know, you are really in a position to receive, to discover, and to sometimes fail, to fall on your face, to not have a place to stay, to, to not, not feel so good, but at least you're free. And then that informs everything. Mm, thank you. Hmm. How, as I look at your, um, again, your message for everyone, you know, we're, we're shifting from the allegiance to the activities of our minds to this eternal presence of being. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. What, what does that mean to you? How do you share that with, how do you share that message? Hmm. <laughs> well, I've been speaking to people for a long time, since 1992. And I would say I haven't found the exact way to share that with people yet, because whatever way I share it, I'm using words as well as my story, their story, their particular questions. And the words have, have this trance value because we heard, we've heard all these words. We've heard freedom. We've heard God and truth and presence. And we... We have put our meanings on it so that we then think we know what someone is saying when they use a particular word. And we are directed in a certain way by particular words. But I really invite people to be willing, as we were just saying, to not know anything and then to recognize or investigate, not as a spiritual investigation, but as a, an investigation that's fueled by curiosity your human curiosity, your animal curiosity. And, and what is here? What is always here? And to really discover that, you have to be willing to recognize what comes and goes. If you recognize what comes and goes, and you stop trying to make something that naturally comes and goes, always be here or never come back, then your mind, your attention is freed up to really see quite clearly that presence <laughs> that is always here. The, my teacher, Papaji, called it the substratum of being. There's a substratum, which is consciousness or awareness. It's always here when we are in bliss or when we're in misery. Bliss and misery come and go but this substratum remains. So it is possible for our attention to merge with its source, the substratum. And in that to recognize you are the freedom that you are seeking. You are the love that you are seeking. You are the self you are seeking. Yeah. I will add one piece of my example for my story that really resonated when you said the idea that if we give ourselves permission to investigate, and then that's when we discover what, who we really are, what's really there, that substratum. Mm -hmm. Had I not allowed myself to go out into that unknown, will I find a place? Will I be supported? How will I get by when, you know, 
without that, then I would have lost, again, discovering that I am always supported in one way or another. I mean, it, whether or not it came from this person or this bank account or this car, wherever, I'm always supported. And that's a deeper, it's an experiential understanding of this because to your point, words are, they're limited. And, and I've talked about this now a few times with guests that they do the best we can. We do the best we can with them, but they point to it. I think Ram Dass says, we're all pointing at the moon. Mm. Uh, and there's that idea that when we experience it, then that that can no longer be unknown. That that gets lodged in us, right? So I think it is the, the willingness to experience it for yourself and not simply hear it or think we know it. And I put my hands up because I've we all go through that. Like I have to know it. I have to hear it first, and I have to think I know it, and then I experience it. And I'd love to hear. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's the way our brains are made. So we have to deal with that. But what you're inviting people to the the way I hear it is, and, and what this show is, is really a support for receiving rather than knowing. And what is being received is this confirmation or this invitation or this prayer to, to really discover yourself, to recognize your inherent freedom, your inherent wholeness. Yes, and... Beautiful, beautifully said. And I wanted to ask if you can elaborate a bit more on what did it feel like or look like, or what was your experience as you, and I think this is a very significant pivot or, or junction in our journey where we go from seeker mm. to seer, <laughs> from the one, you know, seeking to knowing. Mm. And, and we kind of, we, we recognize, ah, oh, the search is over. The journey's not over. The search is over. Can you share a little bit about that, that very significant moment and, and what, how things changed for you? I love that. The, the search is over, but the journey continues. Yes, the journey deepens. And so it's your adventure then. Well, that moment was with Papaji when, and, and he actually has a, a talk where he says, call off the search because I recognized that my search was keeping momentum to, to not finding, <laughs> that I was so identified with the search and being a seeker that that had become an egoic mantle that I was wearing. And underneath that was a sense that I couldn't really find anything because I don't really deserve anything or I'm basically worthless or all these other people would would have already gotten it if it were there. I had this whole inner inner dialogue about our narrative about that I I'm just lucky just to be a seeker. So just kind of plodding away. And when I finally went to see Papaji, he wasn't interested in any of that. You know, it's like, what are you doing here? I'm here for freedom. Good. Okay. What I, what do I do, Papaji? Do nothing. Ha, huh, very good. And he wasn't interested in having people stay with him necessarily. You know, you, you stayed if you like, but he said you can get this in two seconds. And it's just a willingness to tell the truth. So for me, it was the recognition that I had to be true to what I was recognizing. 
And that was scary because it put me out there in a certain way before I had been going to people and asking them to give me, give me something, anything they could give me. And then when I came back from being with him, as he had asked me to meet with people, I was actually offering people my experience and, and this invitation from my teacher to stop, to be still. So it was, it was a flip. It was, I, I like to say he flipped me right side up <laughs> so that I could actually tell the truth rather than with my <clears throat> head in the sand scrambling for something. I knew not what. Mm. So it was night and day. It is night and day because it was, wasn't as if my personality got perfected or I had no opinions or emotions. I was absolutely the still same human being, but there was this recognition of who I am is deeper than that. And then in this life, I'm choosing to put my attention on who I am. If there are certain habits that come up that are bothersome or I'd like to get rid of, I can put my attention there. But if I put my attention there and exclude this freedom and this truth of myself, then I suffer, and I suffer unnecessarily. And that's really, to me, what the gist of his teaching is, is to recognize how you are suffering and to stop. <laughs> that it's, you're suffering. I mean, there is pain, but suffering takes time and narrative. And, mm-hmm. and to recognize that, then you take responsibility for it. And you have teachers, you have sangha, you have friends, you have art, you have adventure, you have dance, you have music, you have the whole world, but you are receiving it rather than reaching for it. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it does to me. It does to me. I imagine it resonates with many as well who listening. The one question I wanted to ask as you were speaking about truth, say, Learn to tell the truth. I learned to tell the truth. What does that mean to you? What, mm. what does that look like? How do we, listening, going, well, how do I do that? <laughs> Essential question, of course. Well, I believe it starts with the relative truth. Uh, I'm suffering can be a very important truth. Oh, I'm suffering. Well, I'm angry. Well, it's their fault. So that's that's a relative truth, and it's very important, and it it builds the strength of the mind to be able to, it, to yourself, not to other people. You may or you may not speak to other people about it, but to yourself to tell the truth. But the truth I'm really interested in is you start with that relative truth and then you dive deeper. So say, I'm really angry and it's your fault. Well, it's your fault is the, the narrative. So that's the easiest part to let go. I'm really angry then. So that is where inquiry begins. If you're really angry, where are you experiencing this anger in your body? We'll say, in my gut. Okay, to inquire into that, you have to, at least for a few seconds, be willing to not have any agenda to get rid of that, to fight with that, or to believe that to follow that. So you just suspend the narration and you open to this experience. You were using the word experiential and that's 
the key to everything, to really experience what you are talking about, in this case, emotionally and physically. And when you experience it, you're aware of sensation, but when you really open to that sensation, you can be aware of what's underneath that sensation. Often people will say, oh, well, actually I'm really sad. And, or actually I'm really afraid, because often anger is just the front man for mm-hmm. fear. So if you're willing to then experience that as you did the more superficial emotion, deeper and deeper you you open to this monster that has been directing your life your nightmares your unnecessary suffering you open to that without trying to fix it or without trying to fight it or follow it or deny it or affirmation over it you simply open to it and there is an enormous discovery that Really, I'll say it here, but it's almost worthless for me to say it because it really does have to be experienced. That underneath all of the emotions, there is love. And it is self-love. And it is vast and endless. And each of us has the capacity to discover that directly for ourselves in a way that can never be taken away from us. Whatever we're feeling, and whose ever fault it is, whatever the story is, whatever the emotion is, whatever the sensation is, underneath that is freedom, and that freedom is love. I want us all to soak in that for a moment. And something clicked for me as you were speaking, that... For all of us, I mean, myself certainly included, and all of those listening who have had the thought that if I stop searching, we said that earlier, what will become of me? I'll regress into all these old habits, patterns. And yet, as I just heard your beautiful description of the journey to who we truly are, again, the search can be over. The journey begins. Actually, we're taking that search out there. We're Mm. turning it within ourselves. Mm. And so, yes, we're still on a, a we discover things just as we would if we were searching. We discover it. So there is still a discovery that's occurring, except it's now pointed inward. And so I want to, I use that as encouragement for all of those (laughs) listening who think I could never not do anything. Well, good because you you won't ever be done (laughs) there's endless amounts of discovery yet to be uh done and yet to be un you know um revealed but we're turning the perspective that's what i'm hearing you say is we're we're turning it around in inside so that we can go deeper and then we ultimately experience it and we're there with it and you know and then we continue our journey so yeah, there's still more to be found. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's really recognizing what we want. Like, what do you want? And then the next question is, and where have you looked for that? And are you willing to stop looking for it there, wherever it may be, and just turn your attention here? So that really is a moment of well, the gears are shifting, the mental gears are shifting, and the, in the shifting of that gears is actually peace and silence. And this endlessness 
that then can be discovered in any situation. And that's, as you say, the journey, and it's the truly the inward search. I think spiritual groups speak of the inward search, but then there are so many outward things that you have to perform yeah. or show or prove that the simplicity of turning attention back, who am I? That's the question Ramana Maharshi asked, and he was my teacher's guru. Who are you? And, you know, we have so many easy answers for that. But when we turn our attention back and really ask that, we are left with the experience of I. And then to discover that that I, as a thought, is nothing. It's insubstantial. As an experience, it has no boundaries. It has no beginning or end or age. So this is possible for everyone, especially at this time when things are sped up and there's an urgency of the times. And yes, wake up so that your light can support other people. <laughs> yes, I love that call to action right there at the end. So beautiful. So before we are, I mean, I could talk with you for hours. I see now why you do what you do. And I imagine those listening have had a, a similar experience with you. I would like to end with a few closing questions to deepen our knowing of what inspires you being the Being Inspired show. So my first question is, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? Mm, well, my husband is a great source of it inspiration for me and that's both with the good times and the bad times <laughs> that we've been together a little over 40 years now and we're in love and he also is a devotee of papaji and he also teaches and sometimes we teach together and we've had good times and really horrific times but there is a bond of inspiration so i'd say mm -hmm. i love that what place or activity most inspires you right now? Nature, in any form, being in nature. Even if I'm just driving to the Bay Area and looking out the window and experiencing the different formations, there is a recognition that this is all oneself, but that doesn't even have to be current in the mind to appreciate the consciousness in nature the support in nature. Beautiful. And is there a favorite book or a book that you would offer us that has inspired you on your journey? Oh, there are so many books, you know. I, I'm a reader. I love to read, and I love to read literature. I don't read many spiritual books, and I have been inspired by so many books, and they Later, I'm sure I will come up with better examples of this, but just on the spot, I would say War and Peace by Tolstoy. Uh, there's a, a translation by a husband and wife team at this moment. I can't think of their name, but it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, literate novel of awakening, really. So... <laughs> That's the first to hear that one, Rit. I, I love it. I always like hearing new books. Um, well, I recommend that one to everyone. Hi. Ex excellent. Excellent. We'll make sure to link to those. And I have some, I could even ask follow-up questions about you and your husband, but we'll save those for another time. I love that answer as well. 
Mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm back and I'm thinking, how do you say your name again? Gangaji. 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 <laughs> I kept hearing Papaji and I'm like, wait, is that right? Gangaji. Yeah, Gangaji. Beautiful name. So um, it has been a, a, a true sincere pleasure to speak mm. with you and to share this space with you and to share you and your wisdom and your experience of that truth and insight with all those listening today. So thank you so mm. much. Thank you. I'm really honored. And I say the same to you. You're so radiant and filled with wisdom, overflowing with wisdom and invitation. Thank you. Thank you. And for those listening who also feel this uh, resonance, this deep, deep resonance, first of all, please go check out Gangaji and her work. If you live in the Bay Area, be sure to find her. And, and then, of course, wherever you are in the world, connect with her. We will put the links in the uh, show notes, but go to gangaji.org. That is G-A-N-G-A-J-I, gangaji.org. And if you are near San Rafael in August, be sure to check out her silent retreat at Santa Sabina Center, August 14th through the 19th. I'll make sure there's also information and a link to that event in the show notes so that you can be in her presence and to receive her wisdom. Um, That's how it is. It's transferred, right? There is an energetic and then then there's the experiencing it. But as you mentioned, our our mind works in certain ways, right? So yes. be kind and gentle with yourself as well as you're on the journey because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it takes time until it doesn't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we have each what, other. <laughs> that's right. We have each other. That's why we are doing what we're doing. And, and I give a gratitude for each and every one of you out there listening for doing what you're doing in the world, for shining your light in whatever way that is, and for supporting this message of inspiration and enlightenment and wisdom and truth to be shared more broadly. And so with that, I invite you to subscribe, to share this episode, to, to rate or review the show so that more individuals, more souls can be touched and reached with these messages and until next time tuning in for another guest i wish you many many blessings